1: Speaking Human!
0: Today on Speaking Human, we take another bite out of the campaign that we talked about 10 years ago and munch on a couple other more recent snack related marketing morsels. Speaking Human! Marketing Morsels!
2: Welcome to Speaking Human, where we simplify the world of marketing for humans. I'm Shad Conley, and with me is my co-host, Patrick Jebber. Patrick, can you believe it? Can you believe what's happening right now? Ten years.
0: Ten. It's a decade of our lives on this podcast. We've literally not done anything else for the last ten years.
2: No. When we first sat down here at these mics, we were young and fresh-faced, Mm. now old and gray and...
0: Yeah, we were just a couple of young kids starting off It's like Christian Slater and pump up the volume.
2: Pirate radio high school kids in our basement.
0: Just trying to make a statement. Starting
2: a revolution. And now 10 years later, we're all beaten down by life.
0: Did you do what you wanted to in life? And I'm like, I'm still here, aren't I? And you got to say it like him too. You're going to be like, what do
2: you mean? Because, you know, a lot of people used to say, Christian Slater was like a junior version of Jack Nicholson back in the day. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> that, that was See, that was pretty good. Was it? Did you think
0: so? Yeah. All right. My Jack Nicholson is on point, let me tell you.
2: Yeah, it's really, it's really good. We haven't done Nicholson before, so, you know, that was just spur of the moment. So that's pretty good considering We'll go with the few good men. We'll leave it there because, you know, always walk away when you're golden. Yeah. So, anyway, 10 years we've been doing this podcast. We started back in 2012, and now here we are, 2022, a decade behind us. So, we're celebrating all year long by looking back some of those first episodes, talking about some of those things we did, you know, kind of reflecting on some of the topics, some of the campaigns we looked at in that first season. As a way to just kind of uh, celebrate, you know, 10 years on the air. Taking it back to that first episode, in case you're wondering what we sounded like, you know, what we were like 10 years ago, was it just like now or was it different? It was a little different. Uh, here's a clip of what we sounded like on that very first episode. <laughs> We'll just give you a little primer here on uh, what we're trying to do, what our main goal and purpose is with the podcast. This is straightforward, human, laid back, talk about marketing. You know, we're not looking at numbers or projections or anything like that. We're just talking about things on a human level, the connections they create, sort of how they hit you, gut reactions.
0: Sorry, I'm speechless. That was beautiful, man.
2: Well, I practiced in the mirror for a podcast. So here's how
0: the show will go. All right, we kick off each week by sharing our views on some recent marketing news. Then we unleash the fury of our featured marketing review. This week, it's the Triscuit's new topper's tantrum campaign. That's right. I said it. It's a tongue twister. Without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, my God. Wow. I can't say it enough. Re-listening to that episode is super cringy, as the kids today say. They didn't say that ten years ago, but they say it today. The topics were good. I think we had a solid base of what we wanted the podcast to be. The quality was underwhelming.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things, and we've talked about it throughout this podcast, was getting into this, you know, we didn't have quite the audio quality. That developed over time. So in that first episode, you know, I say it sounds like we're inside like a tin can Mm -hmm. or a crumpled tin can or a tin can that somebody's crumpling as we're recording. It's not the best. We knew what we wanted
0: to do with the podcast, but we didn't even know if we were even going to continue. Was this going to be something that was long-term? We would have had no idea then that we would still be doing this 10 years later.
2: Good point. You know, we just kind of like let's do this. We have an idea. We just recorded it on our laptop mics, you know, <laughs> yeah. over like a go-to meeting, edited it in GarageBand. Things that we've improved on, gotten better, gotten better like equipment, better tools to do it. As we've realized this is something we're going to keep up over the years, we've made some investments in those kind of areas. But I do think we had a solid idea of what this podcast was going to be from the very beginning. And we more or less stuck with that. You know, it's kind of evolved and changed, but content wise, Mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning it was supposed to be kind of a weekly recap show where we were talking about different uh, marketing efforts taking place. And we had one kind of like review. We were like the Siskel and Ebert of marketing (laughs) where we had like a featured review at the end and we were giving it, I don't even know our rating system. It was like uh, (laughs) humans. I think I tried to give our first thing three and a half humans and you're like half a human. (laughs) But, you know, that core idea, I think, is still kind of present from the beginning.
0: We were definitely passionate about the idea. And I think realistically, we bit off more than we could chew. Some of the things that I've loved since then, including that episode, was this evolution of how we sort of talk about things. It's kind of what made Speaking Human what it is, which is this exploration of marketing. Even the podcast itself and the marketing of this podcast has changed and evolved over the years. You know, every so often we sort of refresh it, refresh some of the formatting things that we do.
2: You know, whether it's like grouping things by theme or playing a game or, you know, making a list, it's always kind of like finding an interesting or entertaining way to talk about some of these issues.
0: Yeah. And also simultaneously trying to just keep ourselves entertained, right?
2: Yeah, because if you're not energized by it, that usually shows through. I know I've listened to things where you can tell where people are just kind of phoning it in, Mm -hmm. and we never wanted it to be like that, so... We found ways to keep it going and keep ourselves. That's, that's one of the key things. You know, we've always had a good time doing this and having these conversations. And even before the podcast, the reason this podcast came about was because we were having these conversations in somewhere in another outside of this. We were just generally like podcasting before there were podcasts.
0: Water cooler casting.
2: Water casting, not waterboarding. No, Um, no. So on that first episode, we talked about a few different things. As you may or may not remember, Olympic marketing. We had the Olympics back in 2012. The growth of Instagram. At the time, it was growing. We know now it's pretty big. It's grown substantially.
0: What I actually love about that was 10 years ago, we were talking about Instagram is this growing thing. You mentioned specifically a stat of it went from like 15 million to 80 million users in July of that year. And I was just looking at some stats this week where they were talking about 1.4 billion monthly active users.
2: It's funny that even 80 million being a big number in like, you know, the social sphere today is like not a big number. We were just talking about the growth of TikTok and how that's like a fast growing thing. And it's, you know, far beyond the 80 million mark. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really cool to go back and look at something that's so far removed from your current reality and to compare it. I even think about the one episode we did on cord cutting, cutting the cable
2: cord. Yeah. It was like an innovative thing at that time. Now it's like fairly commonplace, but you're right. You know, it's like all these episodes are like a little slice of, of history a little piece of marketing or cultural history that we have kind of like left along the way like breadcrumbs and that's why it's fun to go back to these you know original episodes and think about what we were talking about and compare it to what's going on now so what we were talking about for our featured review we had a segment called our featured review on those early episodes was the Trisket's Topper's Tantrum marketing campaign. And for those of you who didn't listen to the show back then, here's the soundbite we used to introduce our featured review. Let's play a clip of that.
0: And now it's time for our featured review
2: it's a nice little bumper we should bring that back <laughs> it's a,
0: it was a good uh stock audio of a scream
2: mm-hmm. it's good stuff a classic a classic so our featured review episode number one the triscuits toppers tantrum marketing campaign here are some of our thoughts on that campaign from that very first episode let's roll that clip Roll it. And you know, you got to think of the good thing is we're sitting here talking about Triscuits. Whoever talked about Triscuits? Nobody's talking about Triscuits before.
0: No, no. Next thing you know, we'll be talking about wheat thins.
2: Now you're just getting crazy.
0: Looking back on that. Do you think that campaign still holds up?
2: It's interesting. Revisiting Topper's Tantrum, you know, I had to like dive it on the internet a little bit because I didn't remember much about this campaign. I don't know why. I don't remember a Trisket marketing campaign from 10 years ago, but it just slipped my mind a little bit. So I revisited it. I checked it out. And you know what? I agree with my 2010 self. I thought it was actually really good. I think it actually holds up pretty well. I think it's actually better than a lot of the stuff I see around today what did you think of it
0: when I look back on it you know it was enjoyable as good as a snack marketing campaign could be has there been another Trisket campaign marketing campaign not that I can think of
2: not that we've talked about on the show anyway
0: well if we didn't talk about it on the show it didn't exist so
2: <laughs> it doesn't, it's not real <laughs> You know, they had this whole, like, concept about they made people think that you needed to put toppings on Triscuits. Front of the box, you see toppings pictured on top of the Triscuits. And, like, people are mad because they were lied to because they ate Triscuits and they're delicious without them. And so they're, like, kind of freaking out and complaining about Mm -hmm. it. You know, they refer to them as angry, satisfied customers. Yeah. Um, Which is funny, but there's a whole, like, just very well thought out and defined campaign here. And I also... You know, I was thinking about this. I'm like, we see a lot of these like kind of one-off efforts now. This was like one of these like fully integrated campaigns, which I feel like we saw more of, you know, 10 years ago, maybe even longer when we had all those things integrated together, which now I think is less novel. Mm-hmm. So people will be just more inclined to just do a video or just do kind of a social effort.
0: I think that it's become so commonplace. Mm-hmm. People just are like, yeah, whatever. Does it have a TikTok dance? Yeah, I <laughs> know. yeah. What's even more interesting to me about this specific campaign is that it's kind of timeless. Mm. What I like about the concept, just the concept of it, of these people that are upset because the Triscuits taste good without toppings, you could use that forever. They could do a 10-year anniversary launch of this marketing campaign. It would work just as well right now as it did 10 years ago. And that is so hard to pull off.
2: It is a really great idea. And this whole you know juxtaposition of the, I love it so much that I'm so angry, yeah. is great. I mean, that just plays, and you could use that a thousand different ways. Yeah. But it's interesting, as, you're, as we're talking, you know, 10 years later about the timelessness, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about some other efforts that are happening right now. And I wonder if we looked back on those in 10 years, if we'd have this same response. E- even looking at them right now, I'm not so sure we would.
0: No, I, I wholeheartedly agree we wouldn't. And that's sort of the <laughs> beauty of it, is this comparison.
2: Yeah, no, it's a really good point. So, Topper's Tantrum, Triscuit. Holding up really well. Pretty impressive. I wasn't totally expecting that.
0: So this episode, something very similar to what we did with the Triscuit's Toppers Tantrum marketing campaign, Man, that is always going to be a tongue twister, and that is we both are going to share one snack effort, past or present, no real limits there, and then we're going to talk about that effort, that snacking effort.
2: Yeah, we're taking it from the past and we're moving into the present, we're going to talk about some things that are on our minds right now in the snacking realm, you know, keeping it in the snacking realm. So Patrick, what do you want to talk about? What do you got?
0: So this isn't the biggest news to hit snacks. I'll say that, but I thought it would pair nicely with potentially your snack choice in conjunction with our first episode when we talked about the Olympics. We discussed mascots and how they weren't well-received. I'm not saying that this one wasn't well-received, but not only that, the fact that my snack just entered its 100th year, kind of like our 10th year of podcasting.
2: Can I throw in one more connection? Your snacking brand, also a cracker, like the Trisket?
0: Yeah, maybe this is some cosmic connection, Triscuit. And this, my friends, is the Cheez-It. Mm. Uh, see? Yes. See that? So uh, my snacking topic, my effort, I'm talking about the Cheez-Its mascot, Prince Chedward. It's a mascot they introduced for the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando in December of 2021, which is not that long ago. And they just basically made this costumed mascot guy who is kind of like a prince kind of cartoon looking they led up to the cheese it bowl promoting this prince chedward he was going to make this huge appearance to the bowl and he did he sort of flew in from the sky he was lowered in to the stadium and he hung out there took pictures with people what's really interesting about this effort is that looking back even a month later Cheez it If you look at like their social platform, if you look at their website and stuff, there's still references to this mascot, but it was clearly an effort that was devoted to the Cheez-It Bowl. Outside of that, I don't think that they're using that mascot in any other way. So yeah, it's uh, Prince Chedward. That part is probably my favorite. It's
2: my yeah, favorite. no, it's, a, it's one of those names that kind of makes you giggle every time you say it. Yeah. I like the name too. I thought it was interesting that I was like, ah, oh, has this guy just disappeared? So he was just basically for this bowl game. Mm-hmm. And then Prince Chedward went back to his cheese castle, I guess. Uh-huh. And maybe we'll see him next year. Maybe
0: that's the thing, you know, because a mascot sort of is indicative of a football game. So maybe this is their mascot for that bowl. And that's fine. It was an interesting effort. And I think one that they put a lot of emphasis on leading up to the football game.
2: Let me ask you about Prince Chedward. I'm not going to ask you anything about his royal heritage or anything like that. But what would you think of the look of this guy? Would you know he was, if you just saw him at a game, would you know he was made of cheese?
0: Maybe. From a distance, if you really study him, you can see some of the cheese elements. You could see his boots are sort of like Swiss.
2: I like his boots. I do like his boots. It's interesting that um, when people do cheese, they always go to, mostly go to Swiss, you know? Yeah. I guess because it's the most visually cheese.
0: Yeah. It's like the most visually identifiable cheese.
2: Like a cartoon, you always see like, it's always Swiss they're putting out for the mice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of
2: course, right? But in real life, Swiss, one of the more divisive cheeses. Is it? I mean, I would it's got more of a... I thought know. it was pretty neutral. Do you think so? <laughs> I think like I find some people don't like Swiss. I thought the Swiss... As opposed to like a cheddar. You I know. thought
0: the Swiss were always neutral. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, cheddar, I think, is probably the most common, right?
2: Yeah. He does have a cheesed belt. I just didn't know if I saw him at a game, but I know this guy was cheese.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of great images on social media with this guy. One is where he's sitting because they had like a throne where you could go and you could take pictures with him. And uh, it was a throne of Cheez-Its, which is great. He had a little Mm -hmm. um, scepter that had uh, Cheez-Its on it. Yeah.
2: One of my favorites I saw on Twitter is Prince Chedward looks like the Pringles man with jaundice, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, his face is a little Pringles man-esque. Yeah. With the mustache. Yeah. So where would you rank him among the other cheese mascots of like, we've got Chester Cheeto, you know, the string cheese guy? Oh, yeah. Got like French fry hair and sunglasses. Do you know that guy? Yeah, yeah. And I guess the goldfish cracker fish, who I think's name is Finn. Where's Prince Chedward fit with those three guys?
0: Chester Cheetah, Chester Cheeto, He's probably the top, but then Prince Chedward's pretty good. I don't know. I'd, I'd need some more time with it, I think, you know, because yeah. the other ones have longevity to their benefit.
2: It's interesting. You should mention that. I was trying to look up if Cheez-It ever had a mascot. And they didn't really, they were doing this thing with Wheels of Cheese characters for a while. This was almost 10 years ago where they would have them on commercials and they were like, each different flavor was kind of like a different personality kind of. Mm. It was never actually like a mascot. And that, you know, made me think, wow, Triscuit never really had a mascot or Ritz Crackers just aren't really doing mascots. Maybe they should. Maybe they should take more of the cereal approach and get like a memorable cartoon character or like, you know, Chips or a Chester Cheeto kind of guy, bring them into the mix.
0: Yeah. So overall, what do you think? Just in general?
2: Mixed bag. If I'm giving it, you know, I don't know, what we give things on the in the old days out of four humans we gave things?
0: I think we should always do five humans because then, you know, you could cut a human in half if you need to.
2: Okay. Well, I'd give this two and a half humans. Okay, that's, you know, 50%. Where are you at? I'd probably give it two. Okay, you're a little lower than I am. I'm surprised. I thought you'd give it three.
0: Yeah, no, I think I'd give it two because it's not my favorite thing. I do like the name a lot.
2: Yeah, the name's the best yeah. part about
0: it. Yeah, without question. The name and the boots. The name and the boots. <laughs>
2: All right. So, you know, a decent effort from Cheez-It. I think they can do a little better, but maybe that's a good start. Maybe they're just dipping their toes into the mascot water to see, uh, you know, what can we do here? Yeah. Onto my snack treats, which does not connect to crackers very well in any way I can see. But, you know, sometimes when you're having the salty, it's also good to have a little sweet with them, right?
0: Right. And yours does
2: have a very close tie-in with mine. Characters related to the brand. I think that is a very close connection here. So the brand I'm talking about has been around for 80 years. That brand wants to continue to evolve to reflect the more dynamic progressive world that we live in. How are they gonna do that? They're making a promise to use the power of fun to include everyone with a goal of increasing the sense of belonging for 10 million people around the world by 2025. So that's the overall mission M&M's has stated. Their first step along the way to doing that? Refreshing the M&M's brand characters. Now the refreshed M&M's brand will include a more modern take on the looks of their beloved characters, as well as more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self-expression and power of community through storytelling. This is, I mean, this is compelling stuff. Fans will also notice an added emphasis on the ampersand to more prominently demonstrate how the brand aims to bring people together. Eminem's branding will also reflect an updated tone of voice. That is more inclusive, welcoming, and unifying. Here's the best part. While remaining rooted in our signature jester, wit, and humor. All right. So they're doing some big things in terms of words. What did they actually do? Well, they're saying they're changing their characters a little bit. Their signature Eminem characters, you've got red, yellow, orange, green, brown, and blue. Those are the ones we've come to know over basically the past 10 years or so. So they've changed their personalities. A lot of people thought, you know, this is big news. They're changing their looks. What are they going to look like? The biggest difference is brown and green, I think would identify most as females of the group, have kind of different shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Green's not wearing super high heels. She's got in more of a sneaker and brown's wearing like a lower high heel. On their, you know, website, they have this new kind of Updated mms.com where they kind of described the personality of each of them. Brown, not bossy, just the boss. Yellow, my favorite thing about today is everything. I don't know what exactly that tells me about Yellow's personality other than he just likes a lot of things. Orange is like the nervous guy. Blue, I woke up like this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little Q&A on the website that tells you like a little more about them. So yeah. They're getting kind of new personalities. This news, as most news is, where we're changing something even if people don't know what the news is, has been met with a wave of both outrage and derision. Tucker Carlson went on a bizarre news rant about the M&Ms. He said, M&M's will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them. That's the goal. When you're totally turned off, we've achieved equity. They won. Pretty weird, right? He's talking about M&M's. Yeah. And then, you know, the typical Twitter reaction, M&M's making the green m M&M and less sexy to be more inclusive is the funniest thing in the world to me. Also, Hershey marketing their M&M's characters as progressive and woke while simultaneously getting sued for using child slave labor to (laughs) produce the actual candies is absolute peak late-stage capitalism. I feel like I'm in hell. (laughs) Some of the responses, you know, we're seeing to this effort. But I'm more interested in your response, Patrick, looking at these M&M's and their new personalities
0: At first, I didn't know what to think about this because I was confused. When I first saw changes in the characters, I was like, what are the changes? I'm missing something. What are the changes? Because they're so subtle. They're M&Ms. In my opinion, you don't put the weight of the world on characters that are made out of chocolate. You can't take it too seriously, right? Or maybe you can. I don't know.
2: No, I wouldn't think so. I almost feel like this whole thing is some sort of psychological experiment. Mm -hmm. I say that because when I first saw this news, I expected there to be major changes, like a, a major overhaul to the characters. Right. And then you see them, and there's minimal changes. You know, they just tampered down the gender. And I'm like, all right. Well, they probably, they're talking about like personality and like adding more personality. So then I like dug in. I'm like, but no, they didn't really do that all that much. They're not all that different than they were before. You know, a little bit, again, little, very subtle. It's just all so subtle what they did. The news is so much bigger than the action. Mm. And I think the actual change is more just let's tie this inclusivity idea to M&Ms, yeah. which is fine. And I think M&Ms partially blew it up. Let's make some news here because we know people explode over this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You like say you changed a brand or changed something old or something that's been around in the smallest way. And people without even seeing it just explode. And they're like, how dare they? How could they do this? It just becomes like this hot button thing for no reason. We get like uh, a week of fake outrage. Yeah. For no real reason because, I don't know, people expect things to stay the same forever or think however they are right now is how they will be forever. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it just feels like such a non-thing that's become a thing. So I don't think like the effort itself is bad, you know, like putting out inclusivity. It's just what they actually did is so small.
0: Yeah, that's where the confusion, I think, comes up. People are going to be mad because they didn't do enough. Other people are going to be mad because they even mentioned doing something. Whereas I don't know if it even warrants any kind of like reaction whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah.
2: Well, that's, what's funny. If you have the scales are just so tipped for the amount of news you're getting for what's actually happening. It's a lot of news for very little activity.
0: I guess there's something there they probably could have done to go a little bit further if they really wanted the characters to sort of stand for that specific inclusivity mission. Because I think there is some element of this where you say inclusivity, you don't change the characters at all.
2: Mm. And
0: it almost appears like you're joking, that you're making a joke out of inclusivity. And I don't think that that's the type of topic that you want to joke about.
2: Yeah. And even if it's not joking about it, is it just like lip service to the topic? You know, we're doing this, but then it's like, mm, we're just doing the smallest amount possible, right?
0: Yeah. And even if that is... Maybe that is their own form of social commentary, right? And it could be, I don't know, but I don't think a big giant brand like that has the ability to be jokey in that regard. You know what I mean? When you get to be that size, you can't really joke about a topic like that in that way. It's a really interesting one, though, and I would love to see where this is 10 years from now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, So going back to our you know rating system from the very first episode, how many humans out of, I guess we're saying out of five humans, would you give this one?
0: I'd probably give this three and a half just for how interesting it is. It's definitely more interesting than Prince Chedward. It's a much deeper discussion and potentially has more meaning long term.
2: You're higher than me. I'm three and I'm like barely a three. Yeah. I feel like pairing inclusivity with them makes sense, but the whole effort here is obviously created some confusion. Even we're confused about what's happening and why it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some ineffective communication going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could have been done better. I'm not sure where this got lost, whether it was on the news side or it was on the brand side. Something got lost in translation here. So something, there is a piece of this that's missing. So I'm not even sure if this should be a, a two or a three. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and push it to three though.
0: Yeah. And you know, we mm-hmm. have talked about this. Super Bowl's coming up. I would really like to see, they have to tie this into Super Bowl commercials. I would think they would they always have M&M's Super Bowl commercials. So maybe there will be something that will like make this all make sense.
2: You're saying this could be just like the candy shell on the outside mm. and there could be some sort of mm. chocolate or even a peanut on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So we'll have to track this and see what happens in the future. So a lot of a lot of snack talk today. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. You know, M&M's, Cheez-Its, Triscuits. It's enough to fill up your your snack table
0: which uh, will be coming up pretty soon, your snack table, whether you're just snacking alone in the comfort of your own home, watching the Super Bowl maybe, or, you know, some other big game, or you're with friends and family. We don't know, you know, because we are still literally in the middle of a, you know, worldwide.
2: You know, that thing. That thing. The masks.
0: Pandemic. Pandemic. So, uh, yeah, we hope you got a lot out of this, and thank you listeners Honestly, we're going into our 10th uh, year here, speaking human podcast. We've loved having these conversations, bringing you in. Hopefully, we've given you a lot to uh, think about over the years. You know, we've loved the interaction that we've had, the feedback that we've gotten from all of our listeners. We just want you to know that we're here for you, these two humans right here.
2: We appreciate every ear that's ever listened to this podcast, speaking human
0: X. Yeah. Until next time, that's it for today's episode. You can find current and past episodes of the podcast on speakinghuman.com.
2: We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Speaking Human. Catch you then, humans.
1: Speaking
0: Human.